Thank you, God, for letting us have this opportunity to stand here in your presence, to give praise and admiration for a love we can never repay, for a joy we can never create out of ourself. We know that only comes from you, God, and it feels foreign sometimes to embrace your presence. But God, you said if you just let up, if we just let up our praise to you, God, if we put down our guard that you can break through the toughest strongholds, and that's what you will do in any of our journeys right now. It's so good. It feels weird, but touch your neighbor and tell them, but it feels good. It's weird, but it feels good. Y'all can take your seats on this Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Can we give a loud praise for the moms? Can we be a few that sound like many? Can we be a Israel that defeats whoever else, everybody else, Israel against the world? You ever feel like it's you against the world? Do you ever feel like Israel against the world? Do you ever feel like one seed church against, no, I won't say that, Israel against the world. When God touches it, people freak out because it's different. It's so good. We're just thankful for you moms. Thankful for my mother, my wife, and all the other mothers in here and just mothers in general because as I always say, without y'all, we wouldn't be here. So, but we give thanks. We just pray you have the most special day today. All the new moms, all the veteran moms, all the moms in between. We pray today is blessed. If you're watching online and you're not here today with us, we pray you have a wonderful day. We pray you have a wonderful day. We're thinking of you and we love you and we're grateful for you. I thought a passage, I'm gonna give you a little more scripture than normal. And I thought this would be fitting and it may seem odd at first, but stick with me. It's going to be good. Genesis chapter 15 through 1 through 5. And then I'm going to jump to Genesis chapter 17. And then I'm going to fill in the gap in between. Genesis chapter 15. This is when God ordained Abraham, the father of Israel, and said, I will bless you. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 5 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. This is before he was Abraham. He was just Abram. In a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. You are exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring, God. You didn't give me what I need to make this happen. Indeed, one, the one born in my house is my heir. Where are they at? And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. He says, this one's going to come from you. Not who you think it is, but the one I say it is. Verse five, then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. Now, before we can get to a plurality of descendants, we got to have a baby. So Abraham's like, well, is it this guy in my house? He said, no, it's going to actually come from your loins. It's going to come from you. You're going to be his baby's daddy, Abram. 
It's in the Bible. I want to jump to chapter 17 before I get into this. Verses 15 through 22. Now we're jumping ahead. Abraham, Abram has tried to do a few things to make this happen because God was taking a little too long. And then it says, then God said to him in verse 15, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. God does something when something happens. There's a confirmation. There's often a name change. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarah becomes Sarah. Jacob becomes Israel. Saul becomes Paul. You notice a pattern here? God does something. So right, in, right here, he says, she, not long, she no longer shall be called Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Hey, we got a Sarah. Happy Mother's Day, Sarah. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from Who? Sarah, her, not someone else whose name starts with an H, not from them. Then Abraham fell on his face, laughing, and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old, and shall Sarah, who is 99 years old, have a baby? Here's how I really said it. Lord, are you kidding me? My wife's going to give birth. She's 99. Are you crazy? That's old in my book for giving birth. That's how he really said it. <laughs> He's like, Jesus, God is so crazy. <laughs> He's going to give me a baby. <laughs> I'm 100. That's three digits. God, funny God. Is it April Fool's or Mother's Day, God? So he laughed, it says. Can you imagine laughing at God? Has anybody ever laughed when God does something? Even good. He just did it differently. And he just... Throw your hands up and laugh. So he questions God. He laughs. He falls on his face. Hopefully he didn't hurt anything. In verse 18, he says, And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, No, no, no. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants. Oh boy, it's going to get controversial here. After him, the covenant is with Isaac, not Ishmael. Ishmael was a fine little man, but the covenant was with Isaac. And as for Ishmael, I heard you. I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and I will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly and he shall beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant, everybody say my covenant, I will establish with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time set next year. Then he finished talking to God with him. Then he finished talking with him and God went up from Abraham. Now, the in-between part here is when God promised Abraham descendants, God, um, Abraham thought God was taking a little too long. So he says, Sarah, you're old. I don't think that's really what God meant. This reminds me of Adam and Eve, doesn't it? And then he says, Hagar, where's my maidservant? Let's make a baby. And Sarah's like, yeah, I think that's what God meant. And so they went and they made, a, they made an Ishmael in between the two promises. The promise and the fruition of the promise and in between, they went and made an Ishmael. Has anybody ever made an Ishmael in the process? Can I get real with y'all? Not literally, 
a baby Ishmael perhaps, but, a, but a, another way that was maybe more convenient or faster than waiting on God's timing, which can feel like an eternity, especially in 2020. Anybody? So that's what he did. So, so now he's trying to talk God into his diversion from the promise, which is Ishmael. And God says, no, Ishmael's blessed, but that's not what I planned. Don't you dare try to take away what I planned for you. How foolish can you be, fleshly man? Even Abraham, the father of Israel, could be foolish. So if he can be foolish, we can all be foolish sometimes because we're human. My title this morning is, It's Not Ready Yet. It's not ready yet. Look to your neighbor, tell them, it's not ready yet. Does anybody like food that's not cooked all the way? Well, Let's, let's, let's make that, we're not talking about like the way you cook your burger and some people like it moving back at you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like truly uncooked food or like, or like bread that's still soggy dough. I got into bread making last year because I was so bored and I was learning the hard way that when it's not ready, the inside's like gooey. Don't eat that. It's not ready yet. It's not ready. And if it's not ready, it's not good for you. And it's not, it's not God's will for you. And if you try to rush what's not ready, you're going to get a bad outcome. It doesn't tell you right here that Sarah and Hagar had a little bit of issues. Because even though it was agreed that Hagar should go make a baby Ishmael with, with Abram, there was a natural jealousy that occurred because God didn't, God didn't design us to be apart. He designed us to be in union together. And even back then when they broke that rule oftenly, often the covenant changed in the new covenant, the new testament. I'm just saying it was a natural flesh that Sarah didn't like it in the end. Because she wanted to have the child because Abram was her man. You know? It don't feel good. It's not meant to feel good because it's not God's way. It's not ready yet. Don't forget family photos after service. Just want to throw that out there. But why is it so hard to understand God's ways just like this? Have you ever just wanted to throw your hands up because every time you think you got to figure it out, God does it different? Every time, if he just did it one time like I thought, I wouldn't feel foolish. Different every time. Have I justified compromising what God wants to do in my life because I rushed what he said? It's not ready yet. Don't force it. It'll break. When we're breaking stuff down here at church, we've learned the, we've learned the, the kind of not the hard way, not the easy way, kind of in the middle, that if you force it, stuff breaks. you got to be gentle with the things of God, and that includes projectors, and that includes computers, and cords, and stuff. And that's a really tacky, tacky illustration, but I'm just giving you a point that if it's not ready, don't rush it because you could break something good. You could break covenant. You could be producing an Ishmael in the process. And God said, Isaac was for you. It's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. Perhaps God would rather make a decision for us by us falling completely dependent on his word and his goodness. And maybe, can I just be real with myself, and, and maybe, maybe y'all can relate to this, that I don't need to know how and what and when I can live in joy letting go of what God is meant to control. God is the creator. He is the almighty, the omnipotent, the omniscient, my provider, Jehovah Jireh. He's all these things. So maybe some things I just don't need to handle 
because God is the one that was meant to control it. And when we try to touch the ark of the covenant, when we try to touch the things of God, what happens? We can get burned in the process. You know? It's not ready yet. I want to tell somebody today that God is not withholding from you. God doesn't work like that. He doesn't look to just, I'm going to make their lives miserable because it's not ready yet. He's not withholding from you. He's doing something that is delivering to you something that has not become ready yet. Because maybe you're in a time and a season right now, you're not ready for it yet. You think you are, but God says it's not ready yet. I need you to be fully equipped in faith, which requires absolute, everybody say absolute trust, which doesn't waver in all things, not just when I want something from God. It's not ready yet. One of the hardest things about waiting on God is pursuing something that's bigger than your peers can understand. It's really hard as Abraham to wait on God when the world lasts, when he says he don't even have no baby, and he's going to be the dis- his children are going to be the descendants of this nation. I don't think so, Abram. You crazy? Just like Noah, you probably connected to him somehow. That was a joke. You know we're all brothers and sisters in the end. That's why they say, "Hey, brother, welcome to church," because they're thinking of Adam. I know that's kind of weird and gross in today's. Anyway, they say we're all related to Adam and Eve. Amen, Vincent, my brother. (laughs) But believing big is really hard in a world that limits vision. And when God gives you a vision and the world says it's impossible, it's hard to not take a shortcut and go make an Ishmael. And God does desire to give us bigger than we can understand because that's what produces more faith and elevates faith from where we were before. And we can be just like Abraham, and we can be falling on our face. Good thing we have soft carpet at home, because there's been several times where I'm like, oh, my God, really? Did that person really think that? Did they really do that? Did they really think that about us? Like, people crazy what they come up with. And it's just like this big. What happens when it's this big? It's like people crazy. And so believing big is hard for people. And it was hard for Abraham. And if we're willing to believe big for God and stick it out like on the boat last week, God's going to deliver big results. It takes plowing. Can I tell you something really cool? This might make you feel good. You know how many churches struggled last year? I had a very established pastor reach out and said, once he church, you're a rare breed. I said, really? What you mean? Like, like, Like an Akita? Like Akita Mix, like the dog I had. No, he says, you're a rare breed. Like, you don't stop. Like, well, yeah, who would stop now? Now we're just getting getting good. So he was complimenting our church, y'all. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You don't understand. You don't understand. It's easy to throw in the towel when it takes long. But believing big takes time. You may be 100 before it happens. Oh, God, please let it not be really 100. So now you can see why Abram fell on his face laughing. They were already old and ready to just kind of go to the beach like Gulf Shores. And he's saying, you're going to make a baby? That's crazy. Come on, Ishmael. Can you take over this? God says, no, that's not who my covenant's with. It's not ready yet. 
Your tomorrow can be blessed with something you've yet to experience. Your experience from yesterday doesn't define tomorrow. And if you let it, guess what tomorrow becomes? Yesterday's news. But just because yesterday was no good, God says, if you believe big for what I want you to do and you stick with me, your tomorrow will be better and different and maybe the opposite Saul, Paul, of yesterday. And that's when you think you're doing God's will. Some of us know we're not doing God's will. Some of us know we haven't been living in the, in the covenant of God, but I got a new tomorrow. So if I'm willing to change my path, I can make a new way for my life. It's that easy. You step, I step. Keep stepping. That one seed church, they're a rare breed because we step no matter what. And if they fight us, we find a way to get around the restrictions and we're going to keep doing it. And I don't care if you like it, says the Lord, because they're willing to go into the field with the plow. But it's hot out in the field and no one's here. They're all at the beach. God says plow anyway. My covenant is not for all of them over you. Your perfect plan is with me. And if you stick with me, I will make fruition your perfect plan for your life Insert name in the brackets. You're going to get rejection from the world, just so you know. Plan on it. Expect it. And use it as encouragement to know you're doing something good when people start telling you you're not, or you shouldn't, or you can't win, you can't succeed. That's how you know you're doing something. If you do endure persecution for the Lord's sake, that means you're doing something. That means you're stirring real truth. People don't like that. They don't like, they want to all play the game. But when you get for real, they're going to not like that. And you will endure some type of rejection, some persecution, whether it's from family, whether it's from friends, whether it's from statistics, whether it's from the government, whether it's from whatever, they're going to try to shut you down. But stick with God. Okay, Abram, Abraham, I renamed you for a reason. Don't you know that? Don't you know your, your Torah, Abram? I renamed you. For a reason, God has promised Abraham descendants as many in the stars, in the sky. That's a lot. But Abraham tried to do it himself. He tried to do it himself. He tried to take God's blessing and make it happen Abraham's way. But God's blessing happens God's way. You just got to learn to, I was just telling somebody, this morning, and I think, I think I was telling my dad this yesterday, we just drove back from Gulf Shores, and I said, the drive is easier than it used to be, Dad. And then I said, I think it's because it's a patient man's game. So as I said, as I get older, I'm going to get more patient. And I said, this is not the kind of drive you make when you're in a hurry, because it's going to be miserable. But I said, when we just accept it and say, this is, this is how it's going to be, let's make the most of it. All of a sudden, the gas, station, the gas station stops and the different things become kind of fun, and you get to try the new things, and you get sick of the, the wrap jerky and all the junk food. And when you get home, you're really thankful to God that you're back on earth, and you can get out of the car and, and eat normal food. But what I'm saying is, with God, if you know that he's got the best for you, and you know that it's never going to work when we try to take his blessing and handle it our way, why don't we just submit and say, you know what, I'm going to let it happen God's way. And I'm going to live in that. And I'm going to trust in that. And I'm going to believe big for that. God's blessings happen God's way. God's way. 
And in between those two promises, between Isaac and the blessing from the descendants in the beginning, God did not bless Ishmael when Abraham tried to take it his own way. How many times have we tried to take a different road because God didn't move soon enough? Sometimes we think that we, we over-spiritualize that. It must not have been God's will. No, maybe it's just because you ate something bad. Maybe it's because you had stomach issues. Like, like everything, it just means you're not ready. It means you're not this. No, we're ready at this point. We're ready. Sometimes we're ready, but God says, I'm still doing something. It's, it's not ready for you. You may be ready like you think, but it's, 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 it's just like we question this and we distort it. Is that making sense? I don't know. We create Ishmael, and then we tell God to use Ishmael in place of something only Isaac can provide. We create Ishmael, and it leads to pain, and it leads to jealousy, and it leads... Like even, even in the literal, when we go create an Ishmael and you're supposed to be having an Isaac with Sarah and Hagar says, what's up? And you say, no, no, nothing. God told me to do it. Is that going to really float in today's world? No. And your moms are looking at me like, why are you talking about all this baby mama stuff when it's Mother's Day? Oh, I'm going to get there. It's going to be good. Just stick with me. Just stick with me. God's blessings happen God's way. See, you may know this, you may not know. I'm going to jump ahead for a second, but... Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Jacob became Israel. Israel became 12 sons. 12 sons became 12 tribes. 12 tribes became the nation of Israel. So had Abraham's plan worked out, we would not have the rest of the history of the nation of Israel. Does that make sense? Do you see how one decision could have ruined everything? If Abraham hadn't stuck with God, even though he fell, he stuck with God. Even though he made a mistake, he realized it, and he went back to God and trusted God. That's why God chose him. He laughed, it says. He laughed. Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, no. No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him, with him, not somebody else, for an everlasting covenant. You don't even know that you're changing the course of the future with this decision. It's not about this moment. It's about the future. God said, no, it's not ready yet. That's not the way I designed it. And he designed it from the beginning. Some people won't come to church or they don't come to God because they say, well, what, 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 well let, me, let, me, let me step back. I'll give you an exact situation. Sometime, one time we were in a hospital, and we had a family member who was struggling for life. And this person, this is the same mentality. And they wouldn't come in the room when we were going to pray because they didn't feel worthy to be in the room. I said, we need you. It's not about you and how you feel. We need you because this person needs prayer, and we're going to come together. And so they felt they rejected themselves, you know. They rejected themselves, but God can turn it around. He can turn it around. And so he ended up coming in the room because I said, and I, I was bold and I didn't know it. I said, we need you, man. Come in, come in here. I was like 25. He was like twice my age. It's like, who's this young kid? 
telling me what to do. But he sensed the presence of the Lord, and we need everybody in God's presence to touch people in prayer and all these things. And so these people, they, they tell themselves, and I've been there, and we've all done it. Well, I can't go to church because I screwed up, or I can't do this because I've, I've fallen short of sin, and I've, we've all fallen short. Heck, yeah, I say Heck. I mean, that's probably a sin in some churches. Like, like I, 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 we've all fallen short, but we don't stop living for God and trying to fix it and make it better, letting God change us. We don't stop the journey. That's a reason to run to the church because God is saying, oh, I got so much better for you. The devil's lying to you. Come in here and pray with us. Come into God's house. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you're high, drinking, whatever. If you get out of hand, we've got security, but otherwise we're gonna love you. Okay? We want you in here. We've had some people show up that y'all don't know about, like early, and they're not all right. They're not all right. Let me just put it like that. But we want them in here. I said, where do they go? They find a reason to come. They will watch online and they leave. You came all the way here to ask about our church and then you left before service? That's the devil lying to you. That's happened a few times. Online. That's plan B. It's not plan A. You need to be in God's house, no matter what your situation, because you need the touch that only God can give. And God's blessings happen God's way. And God told Abraham, I'm sorry, it's not ready yet. Does anybody remember a sermon from 2019 I preached called Seven? Come on, somebody. Three. Just, just lie to me. It was tough. Seven was preaching on seven, the number, biblical number, completion, perfection. And I had this plan that God was going to support. Doesn't that sound twisted? I had a plan that God was going to endorse. When really it was God has a plan, I pray that this is it. We have four kids, and I'm married, and we have six total, and we wanted to have a fifth kid. Can you believe how crazy we were? We must have been the Holy Spirit, because who would want five, you know? And so we tried, and Michelle, like, it just it should be no issue. It's just like, bam, kid after kid. Like, we didn't even, I don't know what happened. I don't even know how it happens. I just look at her, and she's, another baby comes. I don't know what happens. And so, so all of a sudden, that was a little different. Y'all are like, should we laugh at that? <laughs> really, I don't know. If someone could tell me. Remember, I'm on the picture Bible still. So I had this sermon called Seven. And Seven was going to reveal baby number five. And I had, wrote, I had written it, written, wrote, written. Allison, is it written or wrote? I wrote it. I, I, I had written it. I need to go back to grammar school months earlier. And so they were like, well, surely by the time this sermon comes up, there'll be a baby because it's just no thing. You know, I just, I don't even know how it happens. It just happens. And, and so, and so there's still no baby. And so then we're like, okay, well maybe, you know, maybe we should try a few things. And so they got like these things. And I asked Michelle if I could share this without graphic detail because it might take the conversation another way, but maybe we'll just like get some of these shots, you know, and they like, make the, the, the little follicles better or whatever and the 
things move around inside you women. God bless you. I'd rather just wah, 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 Charlie Brown it or whatever. Okay, so she gets all this stuff done and no baby. This goes on for a while. No baby. Finally, we ran out of options. And all along here, I'm thinking, this doesn't feel like an Abraham situation. This doesn't feel right. I mean, if we had no kids, maybe we'd go to like extreme circumstances to make one, but, but we had four already. So I'm like, we're trying to do something. We're trying to make an Ishmael, and, and God is trying to tell us something that for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because we're starting a church and we're already crazy that people say, if you add a baby to the mix, you just go straight off the, the cliff like the swine. I don't know what they're thinking, but God said, no, no. And so I preached this message because I was going to throw it in the trash. Because in seven, I was going to say that, that now we're seven. Now we're complete. And so then I, had to, I said, well, I don't understand. This is the most personal message God you ever gave me. And so I don't feel like I should throw this away because I literally crumpled it up. Even though I do keep it in a backup and Word document on the computer because you got to. It's a digital age. And I threw it in the trash. And I felt like God was changing the message. Because some people just wanted one kid. Some people had no kids. Some people just have another situation. And it's not really about the literal seven. So God told me that, that he was the seventh in the situation. He was replacing whatever void was lacking you to get to seven. And your seven could be a three. And your seven could be a one. And your seven could be a zero. It's that point of completion that God has for your life. That's what seven represented in that message. You with me? So I preached it anyway. It was very difficult because we were still coming out of that season of disappointment. It was still fresh. Remember the sermon, Scars? Scars you can talk about, but cuts still hurt. So until they become a scar, it's hard to talk about them. So now it's like a scar, and I'm good. But back then it was a struggle because it was very personal. And it led to us actually writing a devotional that did really well on version. And I, I had this plan to actually write a book about this seven thing because so many people struggle with this. I just have to spend the rest of my life doing that, and maybe a book will come out. But I feel God calls this message to so many, okay? And so there was this thing with seven, and I said, man, that's, 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 what, Ish, that's what Ishmael was. Now, we didn't have a maid servant and do it like that. We just, but we tried to force it with, with man's way, you know? And so, so it didn't work out, and, and we, we moved on. And I had to come to grips that seven will always come to you in due season. Seven will always come to you in due season. Your point of completion may not be your way or your timing, but God has a seven for everybody. And even if it's through adoption, even if it's through the foster program, even if it's not anything, anything to do with babies, it's a seven of completion in your life. God wants to fill that void. Does that make sense? This is not really about kids. This is about you in that void in that lack of feeling of completion that you think about. And God says, I don't want you to keep thinking about it no more. You can close the door on that. It was a big season in our life, a chapter that we had never felt with the baby thing. And so I, I, I connected that with this because I feel like maybe that's how they felt. Just because he was old doesn't mean he didn't really want a son and maybe he was really worried that somehow he missed it. So he like talked himself into coming up with another way. God will always have your seven in due season. It took a couple years for us personally, me and Michelle, to just say, it's okay. I'm good with it. I'm letting go of that because I trust God. 
I'm not planning on that no more. We've got four kids. We've got so many things to be grateful for and I'm worried about another. Some people might think that's crazy to begin with. It took a couple years. We sold everything, everything. We stockpiled baby stuff. We stockpiled 15 different types of swings, 42 different types of cribs because you never know when you might need this one or that one. One has chew marks out of it from Chloe. I think we saved that one because she chewed the wood out of the crib and didn't die. I didn't know you could swallow wood splinters, but somehow she, she managed. But we got rid of everything that wasn't personal. We let it go because we said, it's all right, God. We're ready to move on to the next chapter. We started believing the world. Seven is completion, and Abraham was chasing for his seven too soon. One more passage from Genesis on this. And moms, this is where you're going to start reeling this in and understanding this. Because you're Sarah today. You're Sarah. Genesis chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham, a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. It actually happened when God said. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, Isaac, who was born to him and Sarah. Then as Jewish custom, Abraham circumcised his son Isaac as a sign of the covenant when he was eight days old. Isn't that interesting? When he was eight days old, seven happened. Maybe y'all are giving up on hope for something, but then God showed you that he delivered you a child. Anyway, You laughed at God's prediction, and then his prediction came true. I asked God to do it his way. We're okay to walk away from this if it be your will, God. Not my will, but your will be done. God says, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. Not too long ago, Michelle and I had a conversation. What these doctors had told us God could no longer do because of science. And though I I agree with the practical and trust it to some degree, I never cut God out of the formula. Just like when the baby, the, I might be butchering this mom, but remember Brother Rome, Don? Guy Rome? Just like when the baby's struggling to survive and they want to throw them in the incubator and they don't have time for prayer, Christian parents say, stop, we need prayer over this baby. The lungs aren't ready, but God, God's going to fix the lungs, but we got to have a touch from God. And that's, that's what happened in the hallway back in 1979. We're okay to walk away from this. But I tell you that because Michelle and I had this conversation and I said, I don't care I don't care, like I'm okay with it. But if God wants it to happen, it can still happen. I don't get up and preach every week to listen to a doctor tell me he can't heal a a sick person or, or a baby can't come when the womb don't look right 
or whatever the world thinks. I don't live that way. And though I put some trust in the worldly uh, suggestions, I never take away my faith in God. And if it be his will, so many things can happen, like Lazarus getting up. I want to do an illustration here. Michelle, can y'all, this is totally awkward. Michelle, can you guys come up here and my kids? Where's Michelle? Give it up for Michelle for being a trooper to allow such an illustration on such a topic that's very personal. Just right here, guys. Notice, stand in the light here. Just form us like we're taking a, a picture, guys. Just right here. Right here, in the light, guys. I was so stuck on a seven that I started looking past my six, our six. I started throwing it away, focusing on the seven. And maybe you can feel that because God says, oh, Jesus, Lord, I'm about to preach this. God says, I am your seven. Quit waiting. It's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. Quit waiting. It's not ready yet. Quit waiting for something that I said I would create when I was ready. I will do it. I will create it. Hold on, I gotta get a little 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 prop out here. I will do it. I will create it. I will do it. I will create it. When it's my time, it's ready. When it's my time, it's ready. Get ready to shout. And when it's my time, it's ready. <laughs> God said it was ready last week on the ultrasound. Oh, man, we had to beg her not to talk about this at church. Little Kaylee. Baby number five, December 7th. I'm 42. I feel like Abraham. I didn't plan on this. How'd that happen? We use this journey in testimony to not make about us, to show you, though, we just got rid of everything like three weeks ago, Facebook Marketplace. Everything. Amen, Michael. So God says, that's what I wanted because you weren't really trusting me. You were planning on how it would be. So now you let it go and I let it flow. There's a baby in the oven. God can do the same for you. Come on, let's stand to our feet. God can do the same for you. Moms, maybe your child took a while longer. Maybe you're still waiting on that first child. God can do the same for you. Just because you think it's Ishmael, God says, no, it's Isaac and he's coming. It's not ready yet, but soon it will be ready when I say. So you can praise for that and we're gonna worship to that and we give glory for that because I finally got to be free of wondering. We got to be free from the trap of planning and just said, it's all good. God, do what you should do and he will do it. We're going to go out here and praise, in prayer, in worship, and we're going to glorify God, and we're going to give thanks to moms like we've never given thanks before. My wife, thank you. All the moms at 1C Church, thank you, God, for them. Bless them.
touch them. Give them the strength to know that you have their best interest and that they can never doubt your ways, God. That even when someone does them wrong in this world, you are their rock. You are the first man in their life. Jesus Christ is the man in their life first, and you are their strength no matter what. And when you say it's ready, it shall be done. Have your way, God. Have your way in this place. You make miracles happen. You make the unseen seen. You make dead people come to life. You make barren wombs produce new life, God. You do things when we believe for big vision and big things. And this is just a sign of what you're going to do in this house because this church is a baby brewing in the womb. And when it comes out, this church is going to make a mark for your kingdom. So, yeah, we are a rare breed because we're fighting battles for your kingdom, God. And we joyfully give you all the praise and all the honor and we're going to keep on plowing and we're going to keep on fighting because we know that our Isaac is coming so we give praise and if the house of God can say in Jesus name everybody say together amen